Uh, thank you for representing by wearing pink. Okay, good. Um, ready? Boom! Welcome, welcome back to some ass here. We are exploding with that's not tasteful. We did we saw Oppenheimer and Barbie, <laughs> but first we're going to talk about some news. I'm Adam, and I'm Steve, and this is Ass Adam Steve Show, and we talk about movies and stuff, and sometimes sports. Uh, actually, really quickly, just to update, because we I, I took a trip to Detroit to go visit you, and we watched three games in which my New York Mets got swept and now we're updating where our two teams are at and my Mets have sold everything and yeah. we're doomed and we're in a six game losing streak right now and we suck and the Tigers traded away the guy we watched on Wednesday night the guy who destroyed Max Scherzer Michael Lorenzen yep. uh, to the Phillies actually so thanks for that one and then you uh, blocked a trade for Eduardo Rodriguez to the Dodgers, which I don't know why he did that. I mean, I'm sure it's family stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's about the only thing I could think because I was I thought he was going to be a sure thing for a trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it just makes total sense. I don't know. But if he's happy there or whatever, I think they have a decent future. But uh, now halfway through the season, obviously, you guys sellers, do, do you feel any way about your Detroit Tigers? I'm still enjoying watching them. I have the game on actually right now, even though they're down four to nothing, but they've been Mm -hmm. struggling, but I still enjoy watching them. They got some good hitters still. And even though they've been losing quite a bit, they're still a fun team to watch. Mm -hmm. I gave up on Spencer Torkelson. Uh, He's no longer my first baseman. I gave up, but my Mets are worse, so it's okay. Uh, we'll see you in the draft next year. Hopefully, uh, we have a top six pick. I really do hope the Mets lose every single game the rest of the year because I really want that top six pick. Yeah. Uh, but sports suck. Uh, movies are better. So let's get in some movie stuff. Uh, what's what's sucking in movies right now? Sorry, I just had to update you. The score is 7-0 now. <laughs> Damn. To who? It, what, uh, the Minnesota Twins. Oh, and they're leading the division too. That's that stings. But yeah. uh, what's going on in movies? What's sucking in movies right now? So the strike is continuing right now. I think they even met with the actors or something recently, and still deals could not be made. Even though there was a slight cool thing that happened, a twenty-four, like last week or two weeks ago by now, maybe said that they would meet the demands of the strike, and there are actors that are actually working for a twenty-four right now. And producing projects right now so that's always a good thing but as those strikes continue and these studios see all of this big money coming in for those projects that already happened i feel like they're just getting greedier and greedier and not wanting to budge on anything they're doing even though they're definitely losing a lot of money by keeping the strike going Mm -hmm. so i heard that same news but i heard it worded very differently Uh, i didn't know that they agreed to terms on the strike a24 i just heard that they were just making movies again and I was like, you can't just do that oh. uh, before the strike yeah. is settled. Yeah, no, they met with the the Actors Guild and everything, and they were with SAG and everything, and they met to all of the demands that they were saying for the other studios. So that's kind of crazy because A24, although they are an award-winning uh, studio as of late, they're not wealthy as a Warner Brothers or a Disney or anything like that. So to know that they're even meeting the demands of the payments and the different things that people are asking for just shows that they're not out of the realm and crazy. Well, they're regular awards players and last year's everything at roll at once proved that they can be a force at the box office. And they usually their bread and butter is low budget, 
you know, good directors taking big risks on great directors and great talent and having these great casts. And I'm sure if you did a like a poll of all of my top 10 bit lists every year for the last decade, the A24 is has a large share of that more so than people like Sony, who is delaying all their movies. Uh, I don't know if you heard Gran Turismo is being pushed back two weeks. There'll be a couple special like uh, like fan screenings on like like I think they did that for no hard feelings like a Saturday night, like the week before. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So they're doing something like that, and they're hoping that word of mouth will carry Gran Turismo uh, when you can't have any of your cast market it. How do you feel about that? I mean, I I get it, I guess, but it is irritating because I have been looking forward to seeing that movie. But yeah, I mean, I understand the studios. I just hate the fucking studios trying to come up with this different stuff because it's just out of greed. It's not because they could easily just pay these people to bring them back and do the red carpet shit and everything would be cool. But it's the fact that they're trying to use people being excited about the movie like myself as a marketing tool is kind of just kind of gross at the same time. And it's scummy too. And and you know what? You really don't want me to do your marketing, Sony, because I'm not very interested in this Gran Turismo movie. And if Darren, uh, not Darren Aronofsky, he's a much better director. If the guy from District 9, Neil Blomkamp, if his uh, career trajectory is any indicator, this movie's going to blow because District 9 rocks. Elysium's pretty good. Chappie's fine. And so this is sure to continue down that trend. Because isn't it just a PlayStation commercial, anyways? Like it's just uh, the the game, right? Yeah, it's like it's kind of like Grand Prix pre racing, but it is based off of a video game. It's a video game property that they're turning into a movie, but it's like the least video game video game adaptation there is, kind of. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's going to be an audience, especially like racing audiences and people that love like car movies, because I mean, car movies always kind of dominate the box office, especially overseas. So. I don't know. It's how universal, it you know, like it's yeah. everyone it's relatable. Everyone likes uses cars, you know, in some capacity. Yeah. And especially like like Formula One racing and things like that are huge in like Europe and Asia and things like that. So this movie has an audience that it'll get to for sure. But I get why they're trying to do the marketing this way. But it's, it's just kind of shitty at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can't stand that. And then also another movie I don't really care very much about. Aaron Taylor Johnson is starring as uh, Craven the Hunter in the movie named after himself. And it's fine. I'm, I don't really need to see that anytime soon. I don't need to see the new Karate Kid anytime soon. Am I missing any big ones? Oh, Ghostbusters Afterlife 2. Yeah, you can like postpone that indefinitely. I don't give a rip. So. Yeah, the only significant one that got a lot of attention is the Spider-Verse. The third movie did get pushed back another year or whatever they said. But at the same time, these are not really upsetting me that much because I know why they're being pushed back. They're trying to get the public outraged at the actor striking and the writer striking because mm-hmm. they're getting their movies pushed back. And that's it's really gross at that way, too, because that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the strike looking worse than it is because... These people are just trying to get livable wages and being able to make money barely. They're not all talking about the Matt Damons and all the people at the top. There are a lot of working actors out there who don't have millions of dollars and are still working to try to just get food on the table and feed their families. Especially with movies being as successful as they are like Barbenheimer. It's 
I don't really think it's much of a coincidence that all this is happening during Barbenheimer weekend because everyone's talking about like, oh, studios are going to learn the wrong lesson. They're going to think, oh, if you release two movies on the same day, they have they're very different. Like Saw Patrol. Oh, everyone's going to go see you guys want to do a Saw Patrol together at the theater and buy two tickets. And that's not the correct lesson. The correct lesson is, oh, when you give, you know, great directors a bunch of money and creative freedom that they can deliver an a, 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 a product, a movie that actually like makes people want to go out to the theater and buy two tickets to a movie. So if you make something good and and, you know, obviously. So the writer strike going on during that weekend is such a like, yeah, see, see how good we can be. See how much influence we have. They're not here because of the Barbie brand. They're here because of the Greta Gerwig, the Ryan Gosling, you know, like uh, what's her name? The main girl. Oh, my gosh. Barbie is played by Margot Robbie. (laughs) I don't know why I lost that. But, you know, so I, I think it's a good thing. And it's going to stink, but I'm happy that there's a strike going on and I'm, I'm rooting for the strike to prevail and uh, we'll see uh, where it goes. Yeah. And speaking of Barbie and Barbenheimer a little bit in there, we got to give big props to the star of Barbenheimer, Greta Gerwig, the director, mm-hmm. she the first woman in the history of filmmaking to break a billion dollars at the box office. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty incredible. I mean, her movies before this, I've loved a lot. I mean, Lady Bird's great. Her remake of Little Women, I loved seeing that with my mom in theaters. And even Francis Ha, I watched that recently too, a little indie movie that she actually wrote with Noah Baumbach. Also a great movie. So mm-hmm. it couldn't happen to a better filmmaker, in my opinion. And I'm really excited to see where she goes after this with all this success. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's entirely true. Isn't Captain Marvel co-directed by a woman? Right. I I can't remember. I'm pretty I mean, sure it's like two TV directors, a man and a woman. I'm going to look that up real quick. But still, even still, Greta being like the director, you know, and especially because like the MCU, like they don't really have directors. You know what I mean? I mean they have James Gunn, Ryan Coogler, but everyone else kind of like is their place, brainwashed. Yeah. It's a placeholder for like, let's work with Kevin Feige on this. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll look it up real quick. But uh, which uh, I imagine you would like to start with Barbie before Oppenheimer. Yeah, Barbie is the one I've seen the furthest away, but it's the one I want to rewatch the most soon because I had a blast watching that movie. I knew I was going into it with like some rose colored glasses a little bit because like I said, I'm a big Greta guy. I was excited to see this movie from the moment it was starting to be advertised and all the advertising for it was just hilarious the way they were cutting different things and just making it look hilarious and it all lived up to that i mean the script was very self-aware and funny and in the real world but also i was not expecting the sets to be as amazing as they were like all the pastels and barbie world looked like a doll set come to life really mm-hmm. and my favorite thing honestly of the whole movie were the scene transitions between the real world and the barbie world with all the practical like little like the spaceship and the boat and everything that they go through and everything and the fact that Will Ferrell and all his people go through it, like just really goofy moments in there that well balanced along with a really positive message in a way. Like I know a lot of people are talking shit about how overly preachy it was in a way, but I don't think it really ever got to that point for me. Like it was well balanced while poking fun at not only 
male stereotypes, but also like stereotypes that women say about each other and just people in general. Like it was kind of poking fun at just everybody. And I had a really fun time watching it. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. And you brought up the marketing. I worked on the marketing for this movie for a long, long time. And I was obsessed. I heard the I'm Just Ken song for months now, and it's been stuck in my head, and I love it to death. Uh, you couldn't be more spot on about the production design as well. I knew from the first set photo when Barbie was in the car, the pink convertible, and you know, I just could tell from that like shade of pink, I was like, they nailed it. Like this, I had an older sister, you, know, you have a niece, so obviously we have you know connections in our lives to Barbie, uh, but. You know, so I I just felt like it was a very good representation of this brand. Uh, it was a great jumping off point, and I love the direction that they go with it. And you know, Ryan Gosling is inspired in this movie. Uh, here's my hottest take about Barbie: is that it? Think about how many people went and saw Barbie, and their favorite part of the movie was Ryan Gosling in his comedic performance as Ken. And think about how many of those people will never see the nice guys and ever in their life. Yeah, I've been actually been talking about that movie recently because my older brother just watched it for the very first time. And I, yeah, that's one movie that I wish people would see. And it's one I could rewatch a billion times because Ryan Gosling in a comedic role is something that I wish more people got to experience because he is absolutely hilarious. His comedic mm. timing is just perfect. And as Ken playing this like brainless moron, but also once he gets to the real world and seeing all the men in charge, just seeing it for the complete wrong reasons was just it was the funniest shit ever and honestly i could see i would i would really hope that he's thought about at the oscars this year because just playing that role like that i think it was just perfect mm -hmm. i doubt his oscar chances i think barbie if anything would get a uh adapted screenplay maybe they might do something fun like that and then greta i don't know there's a world where this movie gets embraced by the Oscars, but I feel like that for that to be true, Top Gun Maverick would also have gotten more embraced. You know, Maverick was only nominated for like one, maybe a couple, he maybe got a, like a tiny best picture nomination at the bottom, I, but like it only really was a serious player for, uh, was it VFX? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 not VFX. So I'm so sorry. Was that was Avatar. It was uh sound. Sound editing. That's what it was. No, it's, it's just sound now. They just know, sound they in two, general. They, there used to be two categories. And now it's just sound. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. anyway, I think if anything at the Oscars, this has production, like production design locked. It's at least mm -hmm. like I'm feeling good about that. I mean, well, you got to remember, Dune Two comes out soon, and that, that that should be great. Oppenheimer also had a great that's, production design. That's exactly what I was about to say. The other one we were about to talk about it also has an amazing production design too. But Barbie overall, it's one that. I could see myself showing to my niece, showing to just all of my friends and just showing them how funny this comedy is. And I, I was surprised at how much I was laughing while still seeing a lot of positive messages in there for a lot of people to take away. I know a lot of people that were talking shit about it, but I think a lot of that was just trolling. Yeah, God forbid a big blockbuster tries to have a message and be about something. You know, they, I actually really admire this movie for that. Like, obviously, I know I'm I'm like a man. And so, like, you know, I'm like, oh, this movie is against men. No, it's no, it's, not. it's not. And that's fine. <laughs> um, I do think the one line that I did think that, that I was like, OK, was when she I think America Ferrera is giving her speech 
about like all the hard intricacies and the details of being a woman that you like, you don't necessarily think about all the time. And at the end, she's just like, it is so impossible to be a woman. And I'm like, billions of people do it every day. Like not, not trying to just diminish it, but it's just like, you can do it. Like, I know you're not meaning it literally, but it's just like, I can't do it. It's like, you can do it though. And you, you do can. it every day, you know, you do a great that was job. The point of the movie is that <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. No, I want one of those hoodies too. I, I am Knuff. Yeah, yeah, I've already been looking at him, and I sent it to my mom. I was like, "If you give me one thing for Christmas, you can get me this hoodie, and I will be very happy." <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like sold out. Like I think if you bought it like now, it would come in September. Something like that. Yeah, I looked at it recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Barbie and uh, the music too. I just want to say, shout out to the soundtrack here because I love. Uh, I know Lizzo's not very popular right now, but her Pink song is great. Push is a is another great Ryan Gosling song in the movie. There's the the Man I Am, Sam Smith. The Billie Eilish, like, what What do you want me to be? Or I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. It's the song that plays when they're showing the footage of, like, the cast, like, families, like, the little girls, like, running around yeah. and you living. Know what's funny is I saw some criticism and they were like, that part was too much and stuff like that. And they were like, I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, showing women with Barbies. It's just trying to advertise Barbies and stuff. I was like, that's this cast and crew with their, like, moms and stuff. You're insane. Why are you trying to criticize this part of anything? Well, I mean, yeah, it's a commercial. The whole movie's a commercial. Like, yeah. that, <laughs> that's fine, you know? It's a commercial that also has a good message in it. And it's a lot more than a lot of other, like, children's things could say. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to even say that it is too much of a commercial when the movie's rated PG-13 and people who are 13 and above don't usually buy toys. Like, no. even people that love this movie, like, 13 and up, they're not buying a Barbie doll. And if they're buying it... They're not like taking it out of the box and playing it. I'm sure that Mattel doesn't give a rip what you do with it after you buy it. But like, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. showing you playing with the Barbie doll is not going to be like, you know what? I need to go buy one because I want to get one just so I can put it like with my movie collection. But like, I don't want to take it out of the box. Yeah. If they made like a special edition one with the Blu-ray and stuff, like I would buy it. That would be super funny. Yeah. Because I love <laughs> it. It's the one from the beginning of the movie where she's the the, the classic one with the zebra pin like bathing suit or something her hair up with those sunglasses this yeah. space odyssey spoof that was that was really fun i love that trailer i think it's a great way to start this movie off i love that we don't spend too much of this movie in the real world like you could have a real problem with like you know sonic the hedgehog we spend like five minutes in green hills and then we like immediately go to like some suburban town in the middle of nowhere for the rest of the movie yeah yeah here we're getting a lot more time to like hang out in Barbie land. And that's, you know, the real place that I want to be in a Barbie movie. So I really appreciate it for that. Uh, I really I think it's fun that like Ken has gotten so much of the spotlight with this movie because I was noticing a, a pattern in Greta Gerwig's career because the three movies that she's officially directed on her own, because I know she did another one about a breakup that she also, excuse me, so sorry, that she also starred with with another director. Um, it was like back in the early like 2010s or the late 2000s. I forgot what it's called, but yeah, the three, yeah, the three movies she solely directed, uh, all have like very similar protagonists. They like these headstrong female women. Guys want to be with her, but she has bigger aspirations than that. The movie kind of ends off with her, you know, deciding to, uh, you know, pursue her like goals out in the real world while 
rejecting the the norms of what society expects to be put upon her. And that's fine. It's just funny because I'm like, I'm noticing that now. So I'm much less compelled by Barbie's journey, even though it is very compelling. Uh, it's it's much more compelling seeing what she does with Ken because this feels like we get to flesh out a different type of lead. Because we even then, we don't even get that much time with Timothy Chalamet and either Lady Bird or Little Women, really. Yeah, no. Yeah, this this one was kind of like, it was well-balanced of being both a Ken and Barbie movie, which I was not going into it to expect at all. Like, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling was able to, like, flesh out this character who probably really has never even been thought about twice when it comes to any marketing at Mattel and things like that. So the fact that Greta was able to play with it and even other characters like Michael Sarah playing Alan, I thought was amazing too. Mm-hmm. I don't want to overshadow that whatsoever because that was just hilarious in itself. But even the other Kens were funny too. But it was definitely like Ryan Gosling and his performance that ran away with this. Uh, did you hear that Jonathan Groff was supposed to be cast as Alan? Uh, do you think that that would have been better, not as good, or about the same? I honestly like it that it was Michael Sarah more. I think it's more memorable because I haven't seen Michael Sarah in so long and things like that. So I think it would still have been effective with Jonathan Groff, but I don't think his face is as recognizable to some people as Michael Sarah. Fair. I think I would have preferred Jonathan Groff just because, A, I'm a bigger fan of Jonathan Groff. Uh, and I think it's really funny because it, it had to have been knock at the cabin because that's the only reason he said no was a scheduling conflict. So I think that's hilarious that someone would be like, Sorry, Greta. M. Night has my attention. Uh, I but... wish that Jonathan Groff would have been another Ken, honestly, because he also would have been great in that role. Well, that's the thing, is that I think it fundamentally changes the Allen character if it's uh, Jonathan Groff instead of Michael Sarah. Because no disrespect to Michael Sarah, but Jonathan Groff is a beautiful, like, beautiful specimen of a man. Yeah. And, like, Michael Sarah's cute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I mean, and, and you remember him because it's super bad. That's what you remember him from. And he's like the cute kid from Super Bad. He's like adorable, mm-hmm. nerdy and shy. But he's not like I don't think anyone's like calling Michael Sarah hot. If you no. disagree and you think Michael Sarah's hot, throw it in the comments. I want to see. I want to hear about some sexy fanfic uh, about Michael Sarah. Uh, I'm yes. sure it's out there, right? It's got to be. It has to be, and we need to see it. Put it in mm-hmm. front of our eyes, please. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I don't know. I just love everything about this movie. Yeah, like you said, and not under two hours. So I, especially when you couple this with Oppenheimer, it's like, yeah, I'd much rather reembark on Barbie. It, it uh, as working at the theater. Uh, there is seeing the audience for this movie. Like I was at the Barbie blowout party, and it was insane. Everyone was dressed up. There is a seat in theater nine that is perpetually pink forever now. Like it's like. You can tell someone just had like glitter or something that like like rubbed off onto the seat and they just can't fix it now. So it's just pink. That is awesome. (laughs) It's awesome seeing people come out to see this movie in droves. And there are people that are bringing like children below the age of 13. But like, I think that's totally normal and fine when there are people that are bringing their little kids to see Marvel movies as well that are also PG-13. Uh, but and like i was telling i was telling a few people i was like this movie's not really overly sexual in any way or overly violent so i think like not like young young kids because it's just the jokes that they just won't get for the most part the only thing i can think of being really like Mm pg-13-esque yeah i I think it's totally fine to show a kid this like if they hear the word gynecologist they're not gonna like 
you know, combust. Like, I think it's totally fine. Yes. There's a lot of sexual references. There's a little bit of profanity in the movie, uh, but you know, everything's played pretty goofy and fun. Like I, I specifically like think about the scene where she's running through Mattel and everyone's like joke running. Like that feels like it was a joke that would play much better for like little kid audiences. Yeah. Um, but kind of feels like something out of like a Wes Anderson movie. Like we're like in an, uh, you know, not reality, really like a goofy reality. And yeah. I think it worked really well. One of my favorite things is in Looper. There's a scene in that where they're in the diner, right? And Bruce Willis is with Jessica Gordon-Levitt and they like start to dissect the time travel and the plot. And Bruce Willis is like, screw all that. We don't, we don't need any of that. We're here right now. This is happening. So forget about all that details that don't really matter to the story. And they have that in Barbie here where they're just like, yeah, it's kind of like a metaphor. Like, don't just don't really think about it. It's something to like keep this plot together. Yes. And I, I'm totally down for that because I don't need a one-to-one like comparison and everything to make such logical sense. It's a fantasy Barbie comedy movie. And I feel like it still gets its point across uh, while maintaining a certain amount of like, you know, uh, um, understandable groundedness, you know? Yeah, it does the fourth wall breaks. It has like little joke, like commercials in the middle of the movie. It has so much silly shit in there that you have to still be knowing that while it's still trying to say a message, we're having fun and we're laughing at ourselves at the same time. Yeah, Barbie's just out to have a good time, to have a party. And in such dark times, you know, it's nice to have a movie that is so positive, so happy and fun. And I'm giving Barbie a five out of five. I recommend everyone go out and see this movie. It, you know, you know, it truly delivers on the promise that the marketing gave it, where it was like, uh, if you love Barbie, if you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. And if you if you really hate Barbie, I'm sure like there's people who hate it for political reasons. That's fine. And uh, there's other people who dislike just because you don't like this movie doesn't mean you are a you know alt right Nazi or anything like that. I you know I have people who saw this movie that were just you know didn't really vibe with it. Uh, but yeah, this is a real crowd pleaser for the open minded. Yes, a big serotonin release. I think that's what I wrote in my review on Letterboxd. And I <laughs> fully stand by that. Mm-hmm. But actually, I got a good question for you. So there's now six movies to gross over a billion dollars post-COVID. Can you name those other five movies? Obviously, Barbie is one. Hmm. Barbie post-COVID? So is that like... is was 2020 on, after 2020. So basically, like... Was that Spider Man? No Way Home. That's correct. That's one. Um, damn, I'm trying to really think. I'm not sure. I think that there's two in 2022 and two in 2023. Uh, Top Gun Maverick for sure. Unfortunately. <laughs> No, there's one in 2023, and I think there's two, still two more in 2022. Yeah, there are two more in 2022. Because you have Barbie, you have Spider-Man No Way Home, you have Top Gun Maverick, there is a sci-fi epic, there is a, one, a, a wannabe sci-fi epic. No, Dune actually did not do too, too well. Like, not so. even half a billion. It was like 400-something million, but it was also released day and date on HBO Max, so we got to yeah. remember that historically. Sadly, Denis. Oh, Avatar Way of the Water, obviously. I forgot about that. That's correct. That's the sci-fi epic. There's a wannabe sci-fi epic. And then the last one is from this year, and it is an animated movie. 
That is a pretty solid hint, I feel. And while you're thinking oh, about Super the, Mario, Super Mario Brothers is correct. And the last one, big epic, uh, like culmination, third act of a trilogy, uh, big special effects creature feature, you know. Um, but yeah, so while you're thinking about that, I'm going to update us on Barbie. Barbie is my second overall pick in the draft or second round pick in the draft. And uh, with an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, obviously it's made hundred million domestically. That means I get 88 points. You who, who holla. And we'll be talking about, I also have Oppenheimer. So this is really a, a celebratory oh. day for me. Yeah. So uh, while you may have had last week, uh, mission impossible while I had Barbie and uh, not Barbie, Indiana Jones. I'm definitely back with a vengeance this week. Can you guess that last movie? It, I'm trying to think. I cannot think of it. It is a prehistoric movie. Oh, is it Jurassic Park? Yeah, Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion is the sixth one. So it's interesting to think that, like, you know, we talk about how awful and terrible the box office has been as of late. I think it's just because before 2020, 2019 was such an epic year. Even Disney alone had like $5 billion movies. So now we're like, oh, we only get like a couple a year. Like, I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we will somehow make it. Uh, but, you know, quite the accomplishment, Barbie. And I, I think we're very lucky to be blessed with a movie like this in theaters and getting demographics out there and represented that don't normally feel represented. Yeah, it was crazy to see the different like it wasn't just like the stereotypical crowd you would see for Barbie, at least in my theater. Like it was all mm-hmm. over the place. It was men, women, older women, younger women, older men, like even just like not with wives and stuff, just like older dudes and like even teenage dudes, 20 year olds. Like it was all over the place. Seeing it, it ironically. Yeah. And they were all dre- like a lot of people were dressed in pink and things like that. Some people were dressed like Ken already and. It was a fun time just to see people being so excited to go to the movies again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, what a celebration. Uh, I'm so happy about this movie. I, I would love to say that I'm excited about the future because of this movie, but no, I am the opposite. I'm terrified because all these toy movies that they have announced sound terrible, especially the J.J. Abrams one with the uh, Hot Wheels. And then I do not want to see a Barbie 2, number one, because I don't think Greta Gerwig would come back and also Gosling... Uh, I think Margot Robbie would come back and most other people would come back, but I don't know if Gosling necessarily would, because it sounds like it took a certain amount of convincing to get him to sign on in the first place. But, you know, I could see them going with another director and just, you know, riding off the coattails of the first movie. And then I don't really know how much there is left to explore with Barbie. And then I'm not really excited to see Greta's future because that Snow White movie that she's uh, writing the script for has been getting terrible press and then she is doing the Narnia movies for Netflix, which I don't feel like, you know, there's like a strong need for another Narnia adaptation, similarly to how there's another Percy Jackson adaptation. Yeah, that is disappointing. I forgot about those Narnia movies, even though I've never I only watched the first The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe one. I never watched any of them past that. So I can't. It's good. That's see. a great movie. I mean, not great, but that's really good movie. That first one. Yeah, I can't really speak to any of the other ones. So, I mean, I'll still watch them being like a huge fan of hers. But it is disappointing that she's leaving more of the creative realm to do more adaptations now. Like, obviously, Little Women was an adaptation, but she definitely got to add more of her stuff to that. But 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of sad because I don't know how much you can really deviate with the C.S. Lewis books and be able to really make it your own in that universe. Mm-hmm. But uh, she can do whatever she wants. I trust her until I don't. So far, all three movies that she's ever made have been five out of five amazing movies. And and this one, if it gets nominated for Best Picture, that means she'll be batting a thousand when it comes to being nominated for Best Picture. So we'll make official predictions right now. How many Oscars is it nominated for and how many does it win? It's going to get three nominations and it'll get one trophy. Which one? It'll get the production design one, I think. Fair. I think it will win. I'm going to go with one as well, because I think Oppenheimer or uh, has a really great chance at Adapted as well, because it's based off of American Prometheus, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I think it'll get nominated, but it won't win. I think it'll get a pity nomination for Best Picture. But when it comes to makeup, hairstyling, I think it might lose that one as well. So I'm also going to agree production uh, design. Do you think it's going to get Best Picture nomination? Did you say sorry? Yeah, I think it might. All right, I'll take that action. I'll, I'll, I'll say it doesn't. So you say yes, I say no. Not sliding the movie at all. I just making it interesting. It's going to get that 10th nomination. Yeah, like I don't think it has a chance of winning or anything, but you know, it's such a fun, like it's it's literally if you feel oppressed by the Barbie movie, that's how women feel when they watch Top Gun Maverick. I promise you that. <laughs> uh or ever any other blockbuster literally ever. So besides Captain Marvel, which is another one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the ladies represent in Fast X, okay? Very much in Fast X, more than the rest of the franchise, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, any final thoughts about Barbie before we move on to the dark side of this? No, I um, highly recommend Barbie for sure. I want to go see it again in theaters, honestly. I wanted to, but too many people are seeing it. Stop <laughs> going to the movies, guys. See, you need to cut it out. It's my place for me. Yeah, too many things are coming out, too. Yeah, and I, like I'm seeing Insidious tonight. Uh, so... Like we're literally right after this, I'm going to like go eat real quick and watch Insidious. I have to drive to Point Orlando to go see it because I waited so long. Damn. But yeah. I'm so sorry, Patrick Wilson, but I will give it a fair, fair shake. So I think it's uh, worth your time. Oh, we'll see. But next we got Oppenheimer. So Oppenheimer, I was pretty late to this one because I wanted to wait to have the experience that Chris Nolan really, really wanted me to have. And I had to wait about two weeks almost to see it on 70 millimeter film in Grand Rapids. I waited because I wanted to buy a ticket. I went and saw Barbie the Thursday it came out, same day that Oppenheimer came out. But I went camping that weekend and on my way home from camping, I was like, all right, I'm going to buy a ticket for this coming week. Every single showtime, they showed it four times a day, seven days a week. Every single showtime was practically sold out. There were like single seats up in the very, very front. And to see a 70 millimeter film, I'm not going to sit in the very, very front. It's just going to ruin the whole thing because it's so giant and so mm-hmm. wide that it would just not be cool at all. So I had to wait, but it was well worth the wait. It was so cool. I didn't have to experience any trailers beforehand. We just jumped right into the movie at 11 a.m. And it was just the craziest experience I've had in a long time where it was just so engrossing with the amazing sound design that was part of this movie the effects that they were able to accomplish in camera, not any visual effects in the movie whatsoever, I don't think. It was mm-hmm. just insane to see what they were able to accomplish on film that way and to see the different 
styles that they tried to go with with the black and white stuff showing it being older versus the newer stuff it was just a visual experience and overall just all the performances and everything too this movie was just so damn good mm, no i'm i agree i am also a huge huge fan of this movie i love it so much i did not see it in the preferred format that chris nolan wanted me to i think i saw it in 70 millimeter but i didn't see it in like imax so I just saw it. I saw it three days ahead of time, though, so I was pretty happy about that. This movie is a little bit of a long movie with a three-hour runtime just about, uh, but I feel like it goes by pretty quickly, and I feel like there's really two halves to this movie. There's the, we're making the bomb, and we're dealing with, like, the fact that we made the bomb and how we made the bomb. And I honestly feel like the second half of the movie was a lot more interesting to me because I really vibed with the internal conflict with Oppenheimer and, you know, how he feels about what he did and then the repercussions of the, the lengths that they went to. Uh, I got a lot of vibes structurally from the social network, which if you're going to borrow from something, that is a great thing to borrow from. Uh, but Oppenheimer was really fantastic. It's, it's really great. It looks beautiful. It's going to win best sound. It's uh, got a good chance of winning some acting categories. It's going to be nominated for best picture. I think it's the betting favorite. Right now, I, when I was in Boston recently, I noticed on DraftKings that you could bet I'm just going to win Best Picture this year. And uh, this was the number one votes getter. And uh, But I put like $20 down on Killers of the Flower Moon, which had the second highest odds. Uh, but, you know, this has a real chance. I don't know. Do you think this is Chris Nolan's first Best Picture win? I think it very well could be. Because like you were saying, with the performances, Killian Murphy, amazing, like, Although it is the Oppenheimer movie and a lot of people are considering it the bomb movie, I honestly think, although a lot of people like myself was going in expecting that to be more of the case, it is actually more of the Jay Oppenheimer story. The rise and fall of him being toted as one of the science's next big guys. He was going to be the guy who saves the world practically. And then after the fallout of the bomb stuff, they were like, oh, he's the reason all this bomb stuff is happening now and we need to condemn him and he was a bad guy and he doesn't feel bad about what he did and it's just like insane because even you could tell and I guess it's even in reality too like I don't know too much about the actual story itself but mm -hmm. even Jay Oppenheimer in reality like you can tell I guess that he was not excited that his bomb and his creation was used for the bombing in Japan and the way they mm. took out so many innocent lives and things like that. And I thought that was really cool to show that not only with Killian's performances, but visually with like showing him just like freaking out and the way they lit the scenes and overexposed stuff while he was having like panic attacks and stuff like just really cool stuff that I wasn't expecting to see. But from someone like Christopher Nolan, I should have because he's just a visual mastermind. Mm -hmm. That's why it's kind of funny to pit these two movies together, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer's, because they're two totally different things. And while Barbie has stayed in my mind, like the little jokes and the visuals and the, the music and all, you know, all the themes of the movie that stuck with me really well. Oppenheimer's stuck with me well, not wanting to like rewatch it anytime soon, like I do one with, with Barbie. But this is still stuck in my mind, thinking about what the movie is trying to say about what happened and the themes involved and how the movie views Oppenheimer, because I think it's very interesting because usually, you know, we have an opinion about how the filmmaker or how the film thinks about a specific character. But here, especially with uh, his parts and the one in color being in first person perspective, 
it's like, well, we're not really seeing the movie's opinion on Oppenheimer. We're seeing the Oppenheimer's opinion on Oppenheimer. So yeah. I think these are very fun things to like think about, and especially with that last moment, especially with the the conversation with Einstein. Uh, I think that that's all very interesting. Yeah, the Robert Downey Jr. Twi- I don't know anything about history either. Uh, so that's uh, um, uh, I don't know if we want to talk about spoilers. I just said that there's a Robert Downey Jr. twist. Well, just in general, I just want to say that Robert Downey Jr. I think if anybody runs away with an award in this movie, mm-hmm. it might be him getting his second Oscar, honestly, because he was just incredible at this guy who comes across at first as like well-meaning and cool. And just as the movie unfolds, we see more true colors and how just amazing of an actor Robert Downey Jr. is, especially outside of the MCU that everyone knows him from. Mm-hmm. Remind me again, what was his first Oscar for? I think it was for Tropic Thunder. That's hilarious. I yeah. love that world that we live in. No, yes. I, I agree. That's his best performance ever. Uh, here, I think he's really great. I think all the supporting roles are really great. Uh, Emily Blunt is really fantastic as well. That's my another standout for me. But Thank I don't see you. any... Yeah, she's great in this as well. But I don't see anyone here winning best supporting. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're only about halfway through the year. But uh, I don't I don't need to see Robert Downey Jr. win. But I agree, he has a strong case and Oppenheimer, he'll have a great, great chance to Killian Murphy. But yeah. I mean, you're dealing with heavy hitters like Vin Diesel and Fast X, Ezra Miller and The Flash. Uh, how many bad examples can I name? <laughs> and in reality, too, Robert Downey Jr. might be fighting with Matt Damon as well, too, because Matt Damon always gets a nomination, even though he doesn't always get a trophy. He's always nominated. And honestly, I could see Oh, the Ford v. Ferrari thing when we nominated two supporting actors. That was yeah. super annoying and weird. Uh, but no, I don't know. I, I think this movie is fantastic. Is it necessarily my favorite Nolan movie? No, I think it's like uh, upper mid, uh, but I do think it'll get a best picture nomination. And I, like I said, I'm not betting on it to win. I think that first of all, like I explained what the Bechtel test, I mansplained what the Bechtel test was to my girlfriend before the movie. And this movie, yeah, three hours doesn't pass that. Uh, so that's pretty funny. Uh, but so you're probably not going to get too, too much support from the female community on this movie. But like, for example, my girlfriend, she loves science. So she really preferred Oppenheimer to Barbie, even though she loved both. Uh, but I think that that's, uh, you know, a demographic that we're not necessarily hitting as hard as we should with Oppenheimer. And uh, I could see it being like a history thing. So people not being like, oh, it's too like creative. You know what I mean? I pay attention to Letterboxd a lot and I follow just like a mirage of different people. And honestly, I've been seeing kind of a balance, honestly. Like there are some girls that honestly are really enjoying even a little bit more than Barbie. They're enjoying Oppenheimer. So I don't know. I think it, and like you were saying with a three hour thing, I'm a guy who usually has to take a piss normally doing a two hour movie. I didn't even think about going to the bathroom during that movie. Not only because I was trapped in the middle of this large theater and it was not a recliner theater. It was an older style IMAX theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was very cuddled next to two people that I had no idea who they were. But mm-hmm. was, I didn't feel like I had the need to either because I was just so into this movie. And I can't emphasize enough. If you can't see it on 70 millimeter, just see it on the best speakers possible that you can and the best screen because that sound design was just insane. During when the bomb went off, I legit like it vibrated. The Last Jedi, me. man. Yeah, it was so so cool to like 
it felt like you were in it almost, especially with how much they showed on screen and everything and how big the screen was too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fantastic, wonderful movie. Beautifully shot, beautifully performed, technical masterpiece. I do give it a five out of five. I love it. It's mid in my top 10 of the year so far, upper mid. I think I currently have it at the four spot, uh, but I am going to come out team Barbie. Uh, just that's the movie type of movie I like more that interests me yeah. more and I think is more fun and more special and crazy and cool. It has much more rewatchability. Like I loved watching Oppenheimer, but I can't see myself really running out to go watch it again anytime soon, especially in theaters. Like I would love to see it on a big screen again just for the technical stuff, but mm-hmm. I really would rather just experience the fun of Barbie again. Mm, Oppenheimer or Dunkirk? Oppenheimer still. I wasn't a huge on Dunkirk, honestly. Mm, at least that one's under two hours. I think it's like an hour fifty, something like that. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but is this your top in your top five Nolan movies? Top three, maybe even? I haven't yeah, I honestly think I might put it at my three at the moment. I haven't seen Interstellar yet. But I like You haven't seen Interstellar yet? I own it, but I have not watched it, no. But Why? Like, my top <laughs> right now is Dark Knight and Inception, kind of like at that number one, number two, fighting Same. back and forth. But Same. I, I would put this at number three right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like right around Batman Begins, too, because I really love Batman Begins. I, I love The Dark Knight Rises, some really weird like that. Uh, and then also Memento is uh, holds a special place in my heart. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm going to need you to do me a, a favor this week. I need you. To, I need you to watch interstellar like medically i need you to do it you know what i mean like it's a great wonderful movie uh i'll throw it on this week as well if you throw it on i i really adore interstellar uh it's cheesy in certain ways uh for a nolan movie uh but it's a technical masterpiece uh it's it's it'll make you cry it's also very long but it's a big 2001 space odyssey like space epic and uh it's 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 like required view, dude. Everyone loves it. It's like like they released the top 250 of like favorite movies on Letterboxd. Like they took the yeah. average of what everyone's favorite movie is. And like Interstellar's in the top 10. I think if not number one, like it's very watch it. Oh yeah. I have I've had those weird blind spots for years. Like I just for this year, for the first time, I watched the Titanic. Like there are certain spots for like people that love these movies that for some reason just I got skipped over for a while. But I will mm-hmm. definitely jump on it because like I said, I've owned it for a while. I know a lot about it, like with Matthew McConaughey and everything, like in certain memes that have been created for years, like I've seen those. But other than that, I don't know a whole lot about the story. So that's always fun still. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing uh, that's fun about Oppenheimer is uh, I also picked this for our game. It has confirmed made $100 million domestically with a 93% of Rotten Tomatoes. That adds that to my score, which I've been kind of like, going back and forth between our lists and it's like, okay, so I had Spider-Verse at 96. You had Mission Impossible at 96. You had John Wick at 94. I had Oppenheimer at 93. So like eventually it'll even out, but I added it all up together. I think some of it was mental math, so I might be a little bit off. So give or take here, but we are all updated. You officially have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Fast X, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, The Flash, the Super Mario Bros. movie, Creed 3, Shazam 2, did not make it, uh, Scream 6, John Wick 4, and then the only one you have remaining is yeah. The Nun 2. But the only one you've been wrong about is Shazam 2, which I feel like in hindsight was a fine bet. Yeah, I, I couldn't have expected 
fucking Zachary Levi to do what he did and really bomb that box office. Yeah, and the whole the DC like changing and everything with James Gunn. So yeah. you currently are sitting at 618, approximately 618 uh, yeah. points. Confirmed points, too. Uh, with one to go, I have Spider-Verse 2, uh, across the, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Did they call it uh, Part 1 Did officially? I think it's just Across the Spider-Verse. I think it's just Across the Spider-Verse, yeah. Uh, Barbie, Ant-Man 3, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Oppenheimer, The Little Mermaid, and Knock at the Cabin is the only one that I have that has not uh, grossed $100 million domestically, which, hey, it could it could happen still. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? Let's throw it in IMAX in September, you know? Um, but I have three movies remaining uh, with Dune 2, The Marvels, and Aquaman The Lost Kingdom, and I currently sit at 460 approximately, so I'm about... 50 158 behind you so i need to average about 55 with my last three movies the only problem with this is that uh these movies not might not all come out the rest of this year yeah that's exactly what i just had that thought when you were saying that like i feel like my odds are pretty good that the nun 2 will come out but some of those ones might get fucked around with, with all the striking going on and whatnot between those three what are, what would you put your money on not uh making it uh, to theaters in 2023. Uh, we have Aquaman, the lost kingdom, which is supposed to come out in December. Dune two is supposed to come out in, I think October, November, I think October. And then the last but not least is the Marvels, which I think is November. I think if they push any of them at this point, I would think they might push Aquaman being in December, but especially with everything that DC is going through and we haven't even hit the box office bomb. That is blue beetle. So with all the production uh, problems, they've had to reshoot a lot of the movie and people not liking it at test screenings. I also wouldn't be surprised, especially with the December release date so close. You know, you wouldn't be surprised if they like pushed it back to like a, a, maybe a March. Yeah. Or, you know, an April feels right to me. Uh, but the Marvels that already got pushed back once. I mean, we were supposed to have seen that already, right? Yeah. And I mean, I want to get that pass. I don't know if you can hear that motorcycle, but. Uh, even in March or even in February, I mean, stuff comes out in February now that does pretty bomb at the box office. And if something doesn't come out against Aquaman, it could run away with that kind of year, I think, or that time of year. Mm -hmm. I think the most likely of the three is the one we haven't even talked about yet, which is the only one that has been rumored to be actually delayed because of the writer's strike is Dune 2, which... You know, you have a movie with a huge ensemble, like celebrity cast, and you really don't want to release that movie during a time where celebrities can't go out there and market the movie, especially when this is such a colossal risk since they want to make a third movie. The first one didn't do too, too well, but they're hoping they're really banking on this like word of mouth because the first one got nominated for all these awards and won all these awards and everyone loved it. And the sequel is supposed to be huge. It's more Zendaya. You know, Timothy Chalamet is really, you know, coming into his own and making big, loud speeches and uh, Austin Butler is joining the cast. Everyone's excited about Christopher Walken. Florence Pugh's here. So I really wouldn't be surprised if any of these get delayed. Um, yeah, but especially with that one, the more I keep thinking about it, that one could probably be the biggest one just because of all that star power and everything that you're just missing if you don't have all those people advertising for you. Like, that's just insane to do that. And well, yeah, especially with Denis Villeneuve's box office just unfortunately hasn't been there his entire career, even though the product is there. 
people mm. just don't go out to see it in theaters unfortunately and it's really a shame because it's all theater worthy mm. but he just doesn't i don't think he has that household name unfortunately and because dune i think it, I don't, i'd have to look at more like streaming stuff and i wish hbo would put out the fucking numbers to really show how many people watched that day one and everything compared to the box office because i guarantee it was a significant amount and it's just crazy to think about because this movie should be a billion dollar movie. But unfortunately, I with especially with that strike and everything and with the last movie, it might not make it there with the current state of things. Yeah, we'll see for sure. But uh, I'm I'm very excited. I hope all these movies come out because these are like the last three big movies of the year. No disrespect to the nun too, uh, or Wonka even, which I'm excited about that. But uh, it's been a great year for movies so far, especially a great summer. Uh, did you have any final thoughts on Oppenheimer before I, I transition us here? Nah, definitely. Like I said, definitely see on the biggest screen possible is all I'll say. Yeah, go to the bathroom before, you know, watch it with someone and, and you, you every five seconds you point. And it's like, that's Roderick. Uh, you know, that's, you know, Josh, you know. Yeah, for real. The cameos that kept popping up throughout, like, I feel like it could take some people out, but for me, I just kept like smiling, I guess. And I was like, ah, there's another guy I know. Mm -hmm. Speaking of guys that we know, and speaking of how great and wonderful this summer has been, and we recently just spoke about uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and how fantastic that was, because that was previously, I would say, either that or Guardians 3 was the movie of the summer before Barbie. Uh, but in a lock to win best animated feature, even with Elemental having the legs that it does now and the generally positive reviews. Uh, but a new contender for best animated feature, in my opinion, at least, has graced the big screen. The uh, first weekend in August is usually reserved for the more risky blockbusters, which the last two entries in this, uh, well, actually, the last reboot in this franchise, the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, released in uh, August, the first weekend in August of 2014, and graduated to a June release date. Uh, for the sequel out of the shadows but we're back in august for an animated adaptation of the uh, mutants in a half shell uh how did you feel about teenage mutant Ninja turtles mutant mayhem heroes in half shell sorry yeah i took my niece to see it and my older brother and my actually both my brothers went with us but it mm. only my niece and my older brother recorded the review with me but we all absolutely loved this movie mm. uh, me and my brothers have been huge Ninja turtles fans forever I mean, we've had like mixed in with like G.I. Joe's and things. Mainly our box of toys was old Ninja Turtle toys from the 90s. All like different designs and stuff. Like one of them was like a prehistoric, like like a caveman and shit like that. Like just a bunch of different wild ones. But we were just all over. We had like trucks and stuff. And it was just our favorite show to watch too. All the cartoons and the live action goofy ass movies from the 90s with them in the rubber costumes. But I will say Mutant Mayhem feels like the most teenage turtles that we've had so far. And it was voiced by kids who are mainly teenagers, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And just the way they were bantering back and forth, the little pop culture references they had and shit like that. And it was just so adorable while still being absolutely hilarious, too. And that speaks to the rest of the voice cast, too. Like Ice Cube as Superfly, Paul Rudd as the little lizard guy. Mondo Gecko. Yeah, Mondo Gecko, Rocksteady and Bebop being Seth Rogen and John Cena. Just so mm. many great people in this cast that I was just so happy. To, Jackie Chan is Master Splinter and was forgot about that. 
just so many iconic people that you could hear their voices a lot of times, but it doesn't really take away from it in a way. Post Malone, I forgot, was the singing one. Ray Filet. Ray Filet. There's just, yeah, there were lots of goofy parts in here that I was laughing my ass off, but also the animation. Like, Sony Animation has set a style with the Spider-Verse movies, with Mitchells and the Machines, who was the same director as Mitchells and the Machines, or Mitchells versus the Machines. Mm. And it's just... This the style here with the animation was so cool, the way they were fighting and everything, just overall, just a blast. And like you were saying, like I love the Across the Spider-Verse movie this year, but this is definitely gonna be a contender in my eyes at the Oscars this year for best animated feature by far. Mm-hmm. Uh so actually, is it your vote currently at the moment, or would you vote for Across the Spider-Verse? I think I had more fun with Turtles. I think I would vote for Turtles. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm right there with you. I was never a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan until my teenage years, when which I fell in love with the first Henson movie, and then subsequent ones are okay. And then I saw the 2007 3D animated one, which is fine. And then the two Michael Bay ones, which I really enjoy out of the shadows. But this arguably is my definitive version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even over the 90s version. Uh, that being said, I haven't seen any of the shows or played many of the video games, but or even read the graphic novel or the comic books or anything like that. Yeah. So, but this movie was absolutely fantastic. I knew I was going to love this from the first trailer. First of all, uh, ingredients that made me love this. You brought up the voice cast being teenage. That's great. I love Donatello having such a high prepubescent voice. Like that was, that was such a perfect decision. I think that they reimagine each of the turtles kind of here because, you know, Raph was, was like, he was like a bigger dude. Uh, you know, uh, we got to focus uh, the only one who really got an arc here was uh, or had things personally going on for them was Leonardo. This is the movie mm-hmm. I connected with him the most in. And then obviously Mikey is um, pretty much classic Michelangelo here. But I really mm-hmm. feel like the big swings were taken with Raphael and uh, Donatello. But number two ingredient that I feel like really uh, led to this movie being great is not only the score, but the soundtrack as well there were so many moments that i was just like when they got to the bowling alley and i heard that piano i was like let's go baby yeah that classic uh, hip-hop which, i think was definitely like a seth rogan touch in there i felt too because i've heard a lot of those movie heard those songs in some of his movies before too mm-hmm. and with which, ice cube there it just fits the vibe it just feels authentic to new york it's also another new york propaganda movie you know and then the kids we outside like that's very much so uh, relevant to today's um, teenagers, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I want to speak a little bit more to the writing, too, because like we were talking about with Seth Rogen's voice being in there, a lot of the humor came from him and Evan Goldberg being two of the writers on this, too. I think they wrote with the Mitchells versus the Machines guy who directed it. And just that you could tell they were having a lot of fun, like making the references to other Ninja Turtles stuff, as well as just pop culture stuff in general. Like, I laughed really hard during one of the fighting scenes where they like, hit one of the cars and it starts playing the Go Ninja song by Vanilla Ice and stuff like that. Like, just silly moments in there that fans of the franchise are going to catch and things like that. And if you're a really diehard Turtles guy, but even for like, that's one thing about it too. The humor in there, while it can be for adults too, it doesn't go too far into that realm and it stays very kid friendly and it makes it a very enjoyable movie for everyone like you can take your kids and you're not going to feel being talked down to and being built like stupid like it's being too dumbed down like it's very accessible for everyone to go watch it like you're a fan of old turtles go watch it 
your kid's five years old, like my niece, she absolutely loved it and has, we got her a drink with Donatello on the lid of it and stuff. And she loves that now. So it's just really cool to see her enjoying it as much as we used to back then too. Yeah. The box office isn't necessarily lighting up in the way that I would like it to. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm in love with this movie. I'm in love with the, uh, the way it was able to capture uh, this, the, 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 these teenage turtles, uh, I really like the villain Superfly. I feel like a big part of like, like some people call them Ninja Turtle movies, like superhero movies. And I think a big ingredient to a great superhero movie is a good villain. And I feel like those usually get lost in origin stories very often. But this one uh, very much so fits the vibe of the origin story that's going on here. And I, 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 I really love everything about this movie. I think animation wise, I think while it is great, I think I respect the animation going on more in Spider-Verse and honestly also elemental to a certain extent. Like this movie like purposefully like looks gross, but I think that's uh, like, like I said, purposefully, but like yeah. still, it's still kind of gross. Uh, yeah. cur- currently it's my third favorite movie of the year. I'm going to say, cause I still love guardians. It's, it recently came out on Disney plus guardians galaxy volume three. And that's definitely going to be slotted in at my number one spot. Cause I was crying again, watching it. Followed by Barbie at the two, Teeny MNT at the three, Hoppenheimer at the four, and Spider-Verse at the five. This is all subject to change, though, especially on rewatches, and we're only halfway through the year. But what a stacked top five, and all of those coming from this summer. Yeah, I'm about to look at my top five right now just to see, because, yeah, this year has just been really good for, like, certain like especially like sequels like i wasn't expecting to really love some of these movies that are coming out that are part of ips and sequel things but there are movies that are taking a lot of chances this year especially with how they're telling their stories in a little bit more unique ways but Mm -hmm. yeah my top five right now actually i put barbie over guardians but i'm going to rewatch guardians this week i downloaded on my ipad during my trip this week but Mm -hmm. yeah i have barbie guardians Spider-Verse, Oppenheimer. I haven't moved Turtles up to the top yet, but I would you probably, probably have put, John Wick and Mission Impossible higher than I do. Yeah, I would probably put Turtles at number five right now, and then I have Scream Six, and then I actually have Bo is Afraid. Bo's afraid. Still. And I have uh 65. Nope, not 65. I have Megan up here still. Knock at the cabin. Creed three. The Flash. And then it would be John Wick, I think, at number Fast 10. X. Fast X is right there, too. Honestly, it's right now high in John Wick. <laughs> I have a good person up here, too. Uh, did you get to see that yet with Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman? Uh, no, I that, have not. That's a Zach that Braff, Braff movie. Yeah. No, I need to see it's that. It's still right up at the edge of my top 10, too. It might still be in there, might not. But same with No Hard Feelings is right in that area, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think we're getting I think we yeah, are at the point now where all the movies in my top 10 are five star movies for me. I've definitely been very liberal with my five star rating. But hey, I mean, I'm sorry. I love things, you know, but it's it's been a really great, great summer. I mean, you know, it's been a great summer when Flash isn't even in the top five. And I will say to in defense of the Flash, there's no movie I think about more still to this day than the flash i am i'm just obsessed and i can't wait until it comes out on streaming or the blu-ray that i'm gonna buy on black friday is gonna go crazy i'm excited to watch it still even though i didn't get to catch it in theater yeah i i I think i noticed that you still haven't even seen it yet nope uh well you're in for a treat 
Good, sir. Uh, so um, definitely anticipate that. But uh, back to Turtles. Uh, I think this is an absolute W, even if it doesn't uh, succeed at the box office. I would love to see more. But if you told me that this is where we ended this story, I'd be like, okay, we got one great movie. Yeah. And I mean, they definitely left it open to play with more stuff. And I mean, they didn't even get to their like classic villain like they always do with Shredder and things like that. They always have mm. to Shredder some way in different ways. But I'm excited to see them continue this if they do, because I think Seth Rogen added some much needed life to this idea along with the Mitchells, the machines guy. So yeah, I'm excited to see if they continue it, but if this is just a standalone fun little movie we get, then it might be my favorite turtles movie too. So you, you would vote, you said for this over spider verse, but do you think that the, what do you think is going to win? What do you predict? And keep in mind, wish is coming down the pipeline. Yeah, wish is probably a good idea, but I think migration is also coming to that's the illumination movie with uh, Kumail Nanjiani and Elizabeth Banks. It's about ducks. Yeah, I saw that trailer the other day. I think it's I think across the spider verse might run away with it just from the animation itself is just so fucking good. If you're basing it off of that, like the animation in this is really good, but that's just astronomical. Mm, I'm going to agree, but I'm going to be up the stakes here a little bit. I think it's going to be a Godfather situation where the first two, uh, they are both great and they get nominated for best name of future and they both win. And then the third one won't be as good, uh, but still good, good enough to get nominated, but it won't win uh, best animated feature. Uh, We're going to have a Godfather situation in animation here with Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse trilogy, which I can't wait to get the final act for. And I mean final act. I'm done. One more and I'm done. Make other things. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. one other movie we can jump into that I know we both saw, too, is actually a new horror movie that came out about a week ago now, a week and a half, something like that. And that is actually a movie that was made by a couple of YouTubers from Australia, and it was called Talk to Me. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think of Talk to Me? So uh, this is actually my first Regal Mr. Actually, my second Regal Mystery movie. My first was Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, which we didn't mention in the Best Animated <laughs> Feature race uh, because it's probably not even going to get nominated. Uh, but yeah, this is my second time. I did the Regal uh, Oviedo, if you remember that theater, that mall over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, really bad movie theater, uh, but nice people that work there. So I guess it's a wash. But I watched it there, and I had much more to say about the audience that I watched it with, um, like the animals that would take their shoes off and put their bare feet up on the seat where there was people on either side of them. But yeah, enough about people, more about the movie. I think that it's really well shot. I love specifically the shots where it's like, you know, it's like this like straight line. Yeah, and here. especially with like the when they drop their head backs when they get possessed and the camera drops with them and stuff. Like mm-hmm. a lot of cool creative things with the cinematography in this too that you don't really see a whole lot from especially lower budget movies like A24 projects sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate obviously the drug metaphor that's going on here, but I, I'm much more connected with the themes about like parenting and also about social media and about cancel. I got a little bit of cancel culture in here as well. Uh, I do feel like this movie's a little too reminiscent of Hereditary. You know, the main character takes their little sibling to a party that they shouldn't have done and they neglect them a little bit and then they partake or they are part of a disaster in which they get irreparably harmed for the rest of the movie and we're dealing with the outcome of that. 
So it did feel reminiscent. I know a lot of people are like, wow, the most original horror movie we've seen in years. And it's a great little concept, a little hand that does that and and how like uh, they don't respect, you know, the power of this object. And so that will lead to their downfall. And that's it's it's very there's a lot of great scares, a lot of great shots and good performances, too. I just uh, found myself I thought it was really predictable. And I just thought it was something I would enjoy a lot more if I was like a teenager as well. Yeah, I can definitely see that. As a big horror guy, I was definitely attaching to a lot of the different silly stuff they were trying. And a lot of those different themes they were going for, too, I thought were really effective, whether it was being like the metaphor with the hand being like drugs and alcohol at parties and how they're feeling euphoric using it and different things like that. But at the same time, while they're using it, they find the dangers of the thing that they're doing and everything like that. And it also has a lot to do with metaphors of like loss and depression and suicide and lots of different heavy subjects that hereditary also does tackle too like you can definitely make a lot of different comparisons to that but i do think it has enough of an original thought and especially with that hand being such a interesting object to use especially like i haven't really seen something that like while it's still being a lot of metaphor used just how like visually creepy it looks and everything and the visual style that they accomplish with not only like moving the camera and stuff but the effects they get with the different like ghosts that they come across and things like that i thought were really cool and the music and sound was really well used and it was really cool to see a movie out of australia too like i've seen a couple australian horror movies but this was definitely the most commercial i would say but at the same time unique um it's kind of complicated but it was cool i liked it a lot no it's very accessible i think that the i think it's like a 94 on rotten tomatoes which i think is a little bit rich for my blood but uh you know it's definitely like a crowd pleaser there's a feet scene i don't really care for a lot of people are saying it's the scariest movie of the year and i don't fully agree i mean bo's afraid scared me more yeah bo's afraid definitely made me more uncomfortable for sure and there's a lot of like, I still really loved Scream 6, even though some people aren't as high on it. And even Megan, I thought, was a bit more creepy than this one. But I still really liked it a lot. I agree with Megan. I forgot Scream 6 came out. And I don't know. I, I think it's really good. I gave it like a three. I need to rewatch it because the the viewing experience that I had was really, really, really terrible. Uh, but this is definitely a good one to go out and see in theaters. Do you, I imagine you would pick this over in uh, insidious if you were to recommend someone go to the theater to see a horror movie yeah you know i rated them both four out of five but this one is definitely more of a traditional horror movie whereas insidious is a bit more thriller-esque and family drama too in a way mm-hmm. well uh i'm at a three out of five for talk to me do you have any final thoughts about talk to me no i, I just had a really fun time with it yeah, it's a good little movie. Like I said, I, I want to rewatch it and see if it builds on me a little bit more. Uh, to speaking of horror, real quick as we round this episode out, uh, the haunted mansion, and I think it's just called a haunted mansion this time. Oh my God. Uh, and then we also have the Meg Two, the Trench. Um, both of these movies bad. Don't see them. Either of them, they're not good. Some people like haunted mansion. I didn't. It's uh, a theme park ride, but like in the worst ways. I watched it in 40X and that was a mistake. Um, I really like the Louisiana vibe and the music as well. But the cast just feels like a mishmash of things. The plot just seems so standard. Cut the kid out of this movie. Let's let's like let's get to dark and serious and have a little bit more fun. 
Uh, I like the references to the ride here, but it just looks ugly and it just feels passionless. And it's like, it feels like something that was supposed to go straight to Disney plus and the Meg, uh, the two, the trench, uh, it's just garbage, and I had an awful viewing experience as well. But this is like a bad sci-fi movie. But like, I, like I don't know. It's like a sequel, so it's like it's easy to be cynical about it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But uh, these are our movies. Uh, if I, yeah. if actually speaking of the two movies I just watched, which one are you sold to watch first, based off what I just said? Uh, just off of what I've been seeing about the Meg too, that I'm not really excited about seeing that anymore. But I'm a huge fan of the original Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy that came out when I was like eight or nine or something like that when it came out i want to say i saw it on thanksgiving like in theaters and the mausoleum scene still freaks me out to this day mm-hmm. i thought it was really great so i'm still excited to see this new one but honestly i'm kind of sad because yeah even looking at the poster and everything the cast looked kind of all over the place like i like a lot of people in it but it just felt out of place for some people being in there like i don't know i hope like i want danny devito to have a bigger role than he probably does and i don't know I'm excited to see it still, but I don't have my hopes as high. But one movie I do want to mention real quick that I just watched is Nimona on Netflix. Really fun animated movie as well. Like it probably doesn't have a shot in hella animated movies this year because there are so many good ones. But animation in this one was really good. Voice cast, awesome. One of the guys from the Try Guys was in it. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, fun animation movie. It's like sci-fi future, but also like medieval. Pretty cool stuff. Well. I will be checking that one out. I am Adam. I do hard reviews. I have a Barbenheimer video I'm very proud of. Go check that out, Steve. I am at the Film Fan Reviews, and I have Barbie Oppenheimer and a few other videos coming out soon. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for watching. Go out and go to the theater, watch movies. Uh, Just do me a favor and don't release uh, The Haunted Mansion in July. Why would you ever do that? Please stop. Move it to October. But that's when it'll drop on Disney Plus, I guess. Yeah, and stop watching Sound of Freedom in theaters. Don't do it anymore. Oh, my God. I watched it. Oh, my God. I watched this in theaters. I didn't buy a ticket, but I went in there and I sat through the entire thing. And I got to say, it's uh, it's bad. Yeah, that's where we'll end it right there. It's bad. <laughs> we'll see us next time, everybody. 